Hi, thank you for listening to Trinity San Diego Podcast. If this is your first time tuning in with us, we want you to know that you are loved. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message will encourage you. If this ministry has blessed you in any way, you can partner with us to reach others by investing at trinitysandiego.org. Thanks once again. Now here's Pastor Todd. If you have your Bibles, please turn to 2 Peter verses one and, or I'm sorry, chapter 1, 12 through 15. It will be in your sermon notes. It will also be on the screens. This is just a little bit of background of this text. Uh, the Apostle Peter wrote this letter most likely from a Roman prison awaiting execution. So, off, so probably um, we have been, you know, he, he had a level of anxiety and worry. And, and we've been in this plan, vision, dream series where uh, Pastor, or Pastor Bob last week talked about a dream the impossible. Katie talked about a vision for more. I talked about uh, planning for greatness. And then I set it all up about plan, vision, and dream. How many know that that's a, right there what I repeated was a byproduct of taking notes that I just remembered that on the spot. Hello. But um, so, so we are concluding this today talking about leaving a legacy. And here is Peter. He had legacy on the mind. He's sitting, imagine yourself sitting for the moments in prison, thinking about the execution that was to be had over your life based upon what you believe, not what you did, but what you believed. And here he is sitting there waiting execution. So it's pro he's probably realizing the significance of what's to come. Because this whole concept that he's sitting there in this prison cell, he's probably thinking about, Jesus told me on me he will build his church. So you probably think that there's a level of pressure that he's sitting there going, did I really leave the legacy? Did I do it the right way that Jesus intended me to do it? Think about that for a moment. Oftentimes we think of scripture and we go, oh yeah, Paul or Peter, he didn't have real feelings. He just did it. Well, I'm telling you, he was a fisherman. He had real feelings. We know he cut a guy's, off, a guy's ear off. And so we know that he had a temper and he had a little, a little something there. But we also know that in, based upon this scripture and this passage, that he's thinking about this element of legacy of what's following him as he sits in this cell. And Peter writes in his brief final reminder to churches, and isn't it so interesting, the legacy that we have of Peter, because here we are, how many thousands of years later, reading the manuscript that he penned in a Roman prison awaiting execution, and we are talking about leaving a legacy. So I, it's not coincidental that Peter left a legacy that we are fulfilling even in these moments, right? You're going to have to be with me more than that, people. Come on. I, the tryptophan is no longer the excuse anymore. Come on. You need to be awake and ready to go. So let's read the scripture found in 2 Peter 1, 12 through 15. It says, so I will always remind you of these things. Don't you know that that's a good thing? That Peter, is, he, he's saying he's reminding them over and over and over. And I think it's significant when you remind something. I tell my kids all the time, be quiet, because I'm reminding them to be quiet, right? We continually, so Peter, I'm, yeah, so Peter is reminding them what are these churches. So he says, I'm, I, so I will always remind you of these things, even though you don't know them and are firmly, even, I'm sorry, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have. I think it is right to refresh your memory as long as I live in this tent of a body. Because I know that I will soon be put aside as our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. And I will make every effort to see 
that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. Today, the title of my message is Leaving a Legacy. Leaving a Legacy. Let's pray. God, we love you today. And we're so thankful that we were created in your image and that we can live the legacy on of what you have given us. And that was your son. And we have the same capabilities of what you gave to us in your son. We have the same ability to live out. So God, thank you that all we have to say is I'm sorry. We just have to simply ask for forgiveness from you and you let us join your family. So God, I pray that you do what only you can do in these brief moments, the things that I can't say. God, I pray that you say to people, speak to hearts as only you can. We love you, Lord, in your name. Amen. How many are excited to be alive? Come on, give, give God a shout of praise. Let's go. Because you're going to have to be excited today. Um, because we're talking about legacy, and legacy is an important topic. And how many have ever really thought about your legacy? Let's be honest. No one. No, let's be honest. Let's try this again. Let's rewind. By the way, hi, Facebook fam. Let's give everyone, let's give Facebook a round of applause. Hey, guys. Um, so how many have ever thought about leaving a legacy? Amen. Okay, just checking. Want to make sure that we have a pulse in this room. And, and, and I, I thought about from time to time the legacy that I'm going to leave. Um, the legacy that I'm going to leave with my children. Because my children are really important to me. And one thing that I learned, um, I actually learned the significance of leaving the legacy from my father. Because my father, uh, many of you know, um, he was an orphan. And so my dad had no legacy to carry on. There was no legacy that he was passed down from his parents or his adopted parents or anyone like that. He didn't have the legacy that he needed to carry on. So what he was going to do was he was going to provide the legacy for his kids. And there's something significant in that. And one thing my dad uh, did, my dad was a very successful college football coach. And my dad coached uh, for the University of Washington, if you didn't know. Uh, go Huskies. They're having a terrible season. Anyways, uh, but you're still loyal. Anyways, uh, but I... Um, uh, my dad wanted to leave a legacy, and in and, and, and leaving a legacy, he started coaching college football. And as he st started coaching college football, we saw him achieve success. And we saw him go to the upper echelon of coaching status, where actually my dad coached the tight ends, which are guys that put their hand in the ground, and they block, and they run, and they catch, which for everyone that doesn't know football, <laughs> you're like, doesn't everyone do that? Um, but uh, specifically, my dad had the be Sports Illustrated um, said that in the 1990s, the best position group for the 1990s were the tight ends, which is what my father coached. And so my dad took great pride in the things that he did. But he was talking about leaving a legacy. And part of his legacy that he left for us is we oftentimes think of monetary things that, that we're going to leave back. But my dad left uh, a few rings back to us. And this is a Rose Bowl ring uh, from 1992. And uh, you can come and look at it after. I used to wear it from time to time. It's too bulky to kind of wear, but if I ever was in a fight, I'm telling you, I'm going to take somebody out. They're going to lose a tooth. Uh, but this is a Rose Bowl ring, and this is a legacy that my dad left for us. And then this one is the coveted one. This is the national championship ring. And so in 1991, the Washington Huskies won the national championship. And so my dad left a legacy. But the thing is, is there's one ring and two brothers. Because I have an older brother. He's six years older than I am. And so my dad had the, the concept in his mind of, are they going to fight over this ring? 
because there's something significant about the testosterone that runs in our veins and the fact that we are boys and we love football and we wanted to see, we, we wanted to have this ring. And so my brother and I would always have dialogue, oh, that's my ring, no, that's my ring. And so over the course of time, the legacy that my dad was thinking about was he was thinking about legacy beyond his life. And so what did my dad go and do? My dad went and had another one made. And he had another one made with a different color stone. And so my brother, my dad would wear that one and he'd wear this one. And so he left the legacy of this ring that we could wear and to be reminded of the, the significance of the things that my dad did. But, but the thing is, is, this is great, but the man that wore these rings was even greater. And the things that he taught us are the things that we carry on every day of our life. And so often we're caught up in leaving this type of stuff to the next generation, but we're neglecting the idea of actually passing on the morals and the values and the moral compass that we have for the next generation. And we're so consumed with work that we actually forget about, we're so consumed about chasing accolades. I'm not saying that we don't do that. That's good. You want to do great things. But also what I'm saying is you don't want to neglect the things that are, that, that are around you, your friends, your family, your future. You don't want to neglect leaving a true legacy because a legacy is what you're passing on. As you look at what Peter is writing here, Peter was writing this letter and he was leaving the legacy of saying, I want to remind you of the things that I've reminded you about before, that you need to leave the legacy that God has called me to do and I have done first and you are going to do it next and i think that we as followers of jesus need to understand that there's a legacy that we have to leave behind Amen. am i right Amen. there's a legacy what's the thumbprint of your life going to say on the rest of the world and i'm not saying that you that, that that you have to go and you have to preach to millions but i i think that there's something significant about leaving a legacy in your own home whether it's you have children or not i think that the the, the person who you are inside your home is so critical and important to really leaving the real legacy and taking that, that, that on. And, but our, and our world just gets so caught up in these things. They get so caught up and they get stirred up about how they have to go and leave the largest 401k and they have to leave all this money and they have to have five life insurance policies. Again, don't get me wrong, that's important. But I think it's, what's more important is that we have kids that understand and we have family that understand the significance of who Jesus was. Because I'm going to tell you something. Katie was up here this morning and she talked specifically in our leaders rally about the significance of her coming to church, even though she didn't want to come to church when she was a teenager. She came to church and she found that she needed something that was there. It was because her parents continually drug her to church against her will from time to time, right, babe? Against her will. But yet when she was in the house, guess what? Over the course of time, she started to open up and she started to see God move. And she knew where she needed to run when problems arose. And that's called parents leaving a legacy. I was, you know, I was, you know, a child that was always in the house. I mean, Monday was mops, Tuesday was woman of the word, Wednesday was, you know, church night, Thursday was choir practice, Friday was impact, Saturday we had church, and then Sunday we had church. I was at church all the time. And I think that there's something significant about creating the rhythm and the routine of getting people in this house and getting people in connect groups, because that is where your legacy will take on. That's where your legacy, because I know that my kids love this place. This is like their second home. 
it actually probably is more like their first home. Uh, because just like we're going to be here uh, at, the, you know, at the rehearsal, they'll be here at the rehearsal. But I want them to understand that there's significance about this place. There's a significance about, about making this a priority. Make, and this isn't a church guilt trip. This is just the truth, right? Because I would say the same thing is, is true that if you get in this word every day. I think that when you get in this word every day, that you can't help but leave, the, but leave the legacy that God has called us to live when you live out what he says in the scriptures. And so often we're looking for ways to, oh, I need ways to live. I need to get better. Well, it's right here. It's right here. Commit to this. Do it for a month. You have 30 Proverbs. Read, read, read 30. I'm sorry, you have 31 Proverbs. Read one a month. Read one, I'm sorry, one a day. One chapter a day. Oh, that's so hard. Put it in your car while you're on your way to work and listen to the scripture and just let it get in you. Because it's going to get out of you once it gets in you. Boy, you're quiet today. I'm going to have to like do a cartwheel. You don't want to see. No, no. You don't want to see me do a cartwheel. I can do a lot of athletic things. A cartwheel is not one. That was one thing in elementary gym class that I did not like. When I saw the floor mats were out, I was like, nope, I'm not doing gymnastics. Anyways, but to me, I, I, I think that we need to be more concerned about our legacy than our reputation. You see, we, we read in, in 2 Peter 1.15, it says, And I will make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. To me... He is, he is passing on the legacy that Jesus gave to him, that now he is passing on this legacy from himself now to the next generation, to the next church, because he planted that church, and so it's going to the next church. And I think, that, that as we, I think it's pretty fitting that we are sitting here in these days recounting what Peter said and understanding the significance of our legacy and not our reputation. We need to really understand and differentiate between legacy and reputation. Do you know the difference between legacy and reputation? Well, if you didn't, I was going to tell you anyways. Uh, your reputation is who, are you, who you are supposed to be. Your legacy is who you are. Your reputation is what you have, is what you have when you come to a new community. Okay? So when I came to this new community at church, there was a reputation that, I, that preceded me before we got here at Trinity San Diego. And Katie, there is a reputation. But th the thing is, is your legacy is what you leave behind when you go. A reputation is made in a moment. Think about that. People go on YouTube all the time, and they do one little video, and it just blows everything out of the water. That's a reputation. That's a reputation. A reputation is made in a moment. A legacy is built in a lifetime. A single newspaper reporter, careless gossip can give you a reputation. But, life's, but, a, but, life's of, but a life of toil gives you a legacy. Reputation is what men say about you on the tombstone. Legacy is what, your children what you will leave your children with for the rest of their lives. Being created in God's image, we have a responsibility to leave a legacy. And in my study, when I was studying this this past week in my office, I found that people in our world are struggling to leave a legacy because they're, they're failing to reproduce who they are, because they're pulled in so many other different directions. And you see, when you reproduce who you are, that's leadership. That's leadership. And we have so many leadership gurus and leadership giftings and leadership books and leadership conversations, and we have roundtables and we have podcasts, but yet we fail to reproduce who we even are in our own children because of our, what we're so consumed with. We're so consumed with this scrolling and looking when our kids are sitting right next to us. Yeah. 
we're so consumed with uh, making sure we're, 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 we're so busy and we, that we forget about the significance of the legacy that we're going to leave behind. We're so, consumed, we're, we're so consumed with our reputation. So how do we leave a lasting legacy? How do we do that? I just have a couple quick points and then we'll break. And this is my first point. Repet, uh, repetition results in remembrance. Repetition results in, in remembrance. And how many, ever, how many have ever gone to a website Everyone got nervous right there when I said that. You're like, what's he going to say? You've gone to a website that you haven't logged into in quite some time, and you go to put your password in, and you can't remember it. I mean, like, like Apple, thank God for Apple. What would we do without Apple products? And I'm not talking about the fruit. I'm talking about the, 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 the company. What would we do without Apple that remembers all of our passwords? Right? I mean, think about that. They remember all our passwords in our phone. And, and, and those, those times where you go to that website, maybe it's to pay a bill, maybe it's to look at your bank account, and you don't very frequent go to that, and you forget your password, and it says forget password, and you got to get it back. But yet, what happens when we go to the phone? Let's see if I can do it. Oh, it has my face ID. <laughs> That's how lazy we are now. It has a face ID. Um, but yet, we can go to our phones and we can do the password not even looking at people. I've seen people like literally do their password, send a text message, and, and, and have a, you know, a, a face-to-face conversation with me the whole single time. And part of the problem is, is that, why, or it's not a problem, really, it's the solution, is the idea is, how, how do we know, why do we know this password on our phone? My family, they're beautiful. How do we know this password on our phone so well? Repetition. The more you do it, the easier it becomes. The more you do it, the easier it becomes. And, and, and I think that Peter is starting out our text today, and he's, it's, he's saying this. It gives me no harm to remind you of what this whole thing is all about with the truth. Paul, let's look at the life of Paul here. Paul is talking about the significance of repetition. It says, Proverbs 3, 1, it says, Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble uh, for me to write the same things. Remember how P- Peter said, I need to write you the same thing. Here, now Paul is saying, I need to write you the same things to you again, and it is to safeguard you. He's saying, I'm repeatedly reminding you so that it safeguards you from the temptation and the things of this life. He has to continually remind us. Philippians 1.3 says, I thank God every time I remember you. What if you did that? You thank God for every time you remembered somebody? Like, I think that would create a really healthy habit in our life, that our repetition would be pretty great where we'd thank, and I'm saying not just thank in your head, but maybe actually physically act and thank them. Send a text message, say, I really appreciate you. Philippians 4.4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always, and I will say it again, rejoice. He, he, it's multiple. It's not just single. It's repetition. Jesus says, again, I assure you. Matthew says, again, I tell you. Paul says, and we have said before. All of these scriptures are reminding us that repetition results in remembrance. Repetition results in remembrance. In other words, if you, you remember things, you repeat when you do them over and over and over and over again. And unfortunately, I hate to be the bearer of bad news. But that's for good things and for bad things. Just to be honest, that's good things and that's bad things. So what my kids are witnessing, the good, in my, rep- in my repetitions, they're also taking heed to the bad in my repetition. So when I'm short on temper, which I have been because they've been driving me nuts, just be honest, and, 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 and 
I think that there's something significant. So my, repeti- my repetition, so my legacy is what I repeat in front of my family, my spouse, my coworkers, my kids, my friends, all of the people that surround me. That is where my repu- re- repetition, what I repeat, people are taking on and they carry it on as their legacy. So are my actions, let me ask this question, are my actions producing the legacy that I want to be carried on? Are my actions doing that? And, and, and to be honest, if, if they aren't, start today. Don't wait for the new year and go, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get ready. I'm going to start a new repetition, and I, it's going to be right. I'm going to get in the Word every day. Don't do that. Just do it now. It's never too late to begin again. Start today. Some of you might have walked into this room today, and you're like, I, you know, I, this Jesus thing, I don't really get it. I don't really know. Well, let me tell you, start today, because once you get it, it will be incredible. It will change the trajectory of your life, because you'll start repeating things that are healthy, that are good, that are wholesome, that will change the trajectory of your life. And I have uh, just some things over here. Um, many of you know I like to work out. Ugh. I like to work out. And so, uh, anyone know what these are? Kettlebells. Kettlebells. Okay. My, my fellow CrossFitter, Chris Steven, over there. I got a 10. I got a 15. The 25 looks smaller than the 15, but trust me, try to pick it up. <laughs> it's no joke. Then you have the 35. The thing is, is when you repeat something, when you start here, okay, what you don't typically like go to the gym I know that some people try to do this. They go to the gym and they try to put on heavy weight to impress people. Don't do that. You're going to hurt yourself and it's, going to be, it's just going to end terribly. You don't go and start at the heaviest weight, right? You start at the lightest weight, which is 10. And when you repeat this over and over and over and over and over, trust me, it's been a long time of repeating these over and over. Then you can graduate a little bit more. Your capacity increases because your repetitions increase. And the more that your capacity increases, the greater the legacy that you can leave. And so the more you go and take on, all of a sudden now you go from the plastic weights to the, to, to the I don't even know what these are, to the heavyweights. And you go to the iron weights and the things that are heavy. And the more you do it, the easier it becomes. It becomes part of inside of you. I go to the gym in my backyard because I established a pattern, and I, this is all my workout stuff, that I've established a pattern when I, about two years ago, I'd wake up every day, and whether I liked it or not, whether I, I believed in it or not, whether I saw results or not, I just kept going. And the more you go, the easier it becomes to lift the heavier weight. And so often, we go and... <laughs> We say, we, oh, we, i got to read the Bible. Repetition yields results, so i got to read the Bible. And so we try to start off here. I'm going to read the whole thing in a year. And then all of a sudden, you get to the Levitical law, and you're like, forget that. I'm done. I'm out. But what you have to start is maybe chew on a verse. Maybe chew on two verses. Maybe chew on a passage. Maybe take a psalm. And once you start chewing on this, all of a sudden, you need a little bit more in your life because there's more that you want to hear from God. Because that word, when you repeat it, it gets inside of you. And I'm admire, I admire all of you that are legacy people that have 
serve Jesus longer than I've been alive, what you have done is you have chewed on this word. And what's incredible is that God is still even speaking to you well into your later years because you didn't stop when it was hard. You kept going every single time. So now you're chewing this heavy weight over here and you're understanding and you live it out and your faith encourages mine because your repetition has continued on. And what we need to do is understand the significance of the repetition. That just keep doing it. Keep loving those kids. Keep biting your tongue. When you want, you know, when you want to bite back, bite your tongue. When you want to go and you want to, you, you, you're so frustrated with your coworkers and you just want to go and spew venom and spew hate, don't pull it back. Pray it out. Get that inside of you. Create a new healthy habit because when you create a new healthy habit, your things and your legacy that follows you will change. Will change. Number two. Worship team, you can join me. Positioned for purpose. I'm sweating from that. Uh, did I get a workout in? No, I don't, probably not. Anyways, I should, they should create, this is just a side note, on Apple, they should create a preaching uh, workout so that literally you go and get credit for your exercise hours by how hard you're preaching. Hello. Anyways, uh, still not working. Anyways, Apple, you're failing me right now. Anyways, uh, so number two, positioned for purpose. Positioned for purpose. And Taylor, I'm going to bring you up here. This is totally, I haven't even talked to him about this. Come on up here, all the way up. I love when, when you do things like this because that person is so freaked out. Okay, you like football, don't you? I love it. Okay, they, can you hear him from me? Yeah. Okay, so you love football. Who's your favorite team? Go Bears. Oh, jeez. This went sideways quick. Go see, go see Ox. Chargers, rest in peace. Anyways, uh, so do you know what a wide receiver stance is? Yes. Okay. Perfect. Okay. So how many know that in, in, there's a lot of football analogies. I'm, I'm kind of getting everything I love in here. Football, my kids, uh, you know, my, my father. I got to get you in this message somehow. I'm kidding. <laughs> everything I love. So, so a wide receiver stance. Getting that again. Okay. Many of you know I was a football coach. I love coaching football. Uh, I, I just love watching football. But this stance, why is this stance important? Because it's easier to take your first step forward. It's easier to take your first step forward. So he's positioned for purpose. Okay? In order for him to have maximum distance and to maximize what he wants to do, he has to be in this position as a wide receiver to go and catch a football. Correct? Okay. Can you, I, don't, I know about your hip. Can you do a three-point stance? Do you even know what that is? Okay, good. Uh-oh. Don't, don't, break, don't break your pants. Okay. Oh, yeah. He went for it. Okay. So how many know that that position is for a different purpose? That position, if he's on the wide receiver, if he was in a wide receiver stance, he's not going to get out of that position as fast. Get in that position again, and then I'll get in the wide receiver. Okay. We should have switched it. But which is faster to get out of? The one upright or the one down below? upright. Well, see, he's, we, you have to position yourself for the purpose that God has intended. Let's give it up for Taylor. There's different positions that we have and different positions that we take. And I'm not talking about a high-ranking position or a status for your legacy. I'm talking about your starting position. Because there's, it's been said that a starting position for a cruise boat, in order to reach a different destination, you don't turn a cruise boat as fast as you can, right? 
you turn it like two or three degrees in order to reach its destination. And, and I think that what we need to understand and the significance is where we are positioned is critical and how we position ourselves is critical for the legacy that, we will, that will follow us. It is so critical. And when you look at, at the life of Paul, think of the life of Paul. I know we talked about Peter, but let's get into Paul for a moment. Paul's initial position was pretty crazy. He was killing Christians. Okay, this is the guy that wrote two-thirds of the New Testament that really got the, the word of Jesus out to the Western world and to, into Europe. Think about that for a moment. Paul was killing Christians. He had a position that he was taking in a hard stance. And think about the legacy that would follow Paul if he continued the way. But then all of a sudden, on the Damascus Road, he had a radical encounter. Blind, ends up coming up and seeing Jesus. It's just incredible. But what, ta- what happens is, is that that encounter, that position, switched the way and the trajectory of the legacy that Paul had behind him. And that's the miracle working God that we serve. That just because your position in this current state might not be the position that you thought was happening. But let me tell you, friend, God can position the, the things that are in your life that are terrible and he can make them for good. That's the God that we serve, that he takes the bad and he turns it for good. That's what we were singing about today. There's significance in that, that that Paul had that Damascus Road encounter. And many of us have had a Damascus Road encounter. But how we are positioned dictates and determines the legacy that we will live on. Let me tell you, God will use those storms in life, even though you're positioned in his kingdom and in your calling. He will use the storms of, his li- of your life as great outcomes for his word to go forth because of the way that you're positioned. Because when you're positioned in Christ, you will see something dramatically change in your life. I think back to the greats of the Bible. Jonah was in a position. And what did he do? He went to Nineveh. Even though he ran the shipwreck of life, he ends up coming back and he preaches to a group of people that needed to hear it. David was in a position, not like it seemed though. Think about the legacy of David, King David. His position was herding sheep. Insignificant, not a big deal. But look at the legacy that we have based upon David being faithful and repeatedly doing the right thing. Abraham was in a position. He even did the wrong thing first. But his position turned out right to be fathers, a father to nations. Joshua was in a position, handed leadership, marched around, a, marched around a wall in order for a city to be conquered. He was in position for greatness. Moses was in a position. A stutterer said, no, I can't go to that king. I can't go to that pharaoh. I can't do that. But God positioned him based upon the situation that was in his life to leave an indelible legacy for the Israelites. Peter was in a position. He was a fisherman, insignificant, not a big deal. Jesus says, hey, come and follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. What did he do? He dropped his nets and he followed him. Then he had a conversation with Jesus. I don't know about you, but that's pretty awesome. He has a conversation with Jesus. And in that conversation with Jesus, Jesus tells him, Peter, you are the rock. On you, I will build my church. Talk about leaving an indelible legacy because of the fact that he was willing to just be available and present. Jesus was in a position. 
Everyone ridiculed him. They didn't like him. They thought he was crazy. I mean, he, he kind of was. He walked on water. Hello. I mean, that's kind of wild. But the fact of the matter is, is that he was in a position to set us up the, for the legacy that we are living today. And as I was reading this message, and, or as I was preparing this message and I was praying, the Lord t- prompted me about a man that has a significant legacy. And it's not anyone that you or I know. Uh, but there's a man named Jonathan Edwards. He wrote a famous a famous sermon that he literally got up and read the sermon verbatim. Sinners in the hands of an angry God. And as he was reading this script, or as he was reading this sermon, it's been told that people, and I'm not, thank God we don't do this now, or that they were so fearful that they were holding on to the poles of the church and the pews because they were so terrified. But yet there's a significance in what happened in the legacy that that preacher Jonathan Edwards had on his life. And A.E. Winship traced back the legacy, or traced the legacy for 100 years beyond, or 150 years beyond what Jonathan Edwards did. And there are, there's another name named Max Jukes. And Max Jukes has a different legacy. But what's interesting is they lived in the same time frame, the same years, even roughly in the same space. Let's put up that graphic. So Jonathan Edwards, his legacy, one vice president, one dean of law school, one dean of a medical school, three U.S. senators, three governors, 13 college presidents, 30 judges, 60 doctors, 65 professors, 75 military officers, 80 public office holders, 100 lawyers, 100 clergymen, 285 college graduates in a 150-year span. It's what they call the legacy of five generations. Because a little preacher decided to go and make a commitment to doing the right thing and leaving a lasting legacy. Then on the other side, Max Jukes lived the same time frame, roughly in the same place. He had, that's kind of hard to read, 300 died prematurely, 440 who were physically wrecked uh, by addiction to alcohol. What is that? 310 paupers, 150 other convicts, 190 prostitutes, 60 thieves, and seven murderers all in the same time frame, choosing how to live their life. And friends, I don't know about you, but I want to be on the side that's growing. And I'm not saying that anyone's producing what we're seeing over there with Max Jukes, but what I do want to say is it's significant and it's important to realize that the legacy in what you currently do matters for the rest of your time here on earth, but for generations to come. Think about the imprint that you can have on five generations. Five generations. Katie's great-grandmother is still alive at 104 or 105 years old. She was committed to being, uh, to, to being in church at 105, or I'm sorry, when she was young. Now look at Kennedy, five generations. Where is Kennedy? In church now. Because there's a significance about leaving the legacy that follows behind when you actually step up to the plate and you live it for yourself. And you say, I'm not going to wait for the next person. I'm going to do it now. I'm not going to let this curse stay on my family any longer. I'm going to address it now. And I'm going to go to God. I'm going to say, I need your help. We're going to gain victory in it. Because there is generations that are, and that's the reason why it's so significant that, that, that we need to understand that our life matters. And the way that you live it matters. It doesn't have to be big and outlandish. Just love your children. Love your kids. Love your grandkids. Love your great-grandkids. Just love them. 
Talk about Jesus. Talk about the goodness. Talk about the grace. Talk about the mercy. Talk about who he is. That the real reason we celebrate Christmas is not because of presents. Though those are great. You can give me any presents you want. Except nasty emails. I don't want those. Anyways, uh, but, but the thing is, is that there is significance in what we're doing right now. And there's great opportunity right now because people want to hear about Jesus. And Katie talked about the whole concept of the birth. But I truly believe without a baby in a manger, there's no savior on a cross. And we have to understand that there's significance in what we're celebrating right now. So if you would, bow your heads and close your eyes.